What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Mood Lifter Show. In this week's episode, we sit down and talk about stress and recovery, two of the very most important factors on your exercise for mental health journey. And with that, let's get right into this. What is going on, guys? Welcome to a special episode of the Mood Lifters. I hope that this episode is very informative because this is something that I've been learning going back into going back into the certification that I have with Precision Nutrition. I highly recommend if you're somebody that wants to go into coaching down the line or something like that, be a personal trainer or anything like that, I highly recommend Precision Nutrition because they provide a lot of value. With that being said, a lot of this I've kind of got from them. And then also in addition to that, I've got from personal experience and also doing some research, which I have to do more of. I should have brought my watch because I was going to talk about my watch as well. But this episode, I'm just going to talk about stress, recovery, sleep, and the impact on mental health. So we're going to kind of connect everything together. And I want to start first with stress. We'll go into recovery and we'll kind of combine sleep with it. But stress, essentially, what we encounter, the whole entire thing with biology and stuff, you have homeostasis. And then if we encounter some sort of stressor, it disrupts the homeostasis. So essentially, we encounter various stressors in our lives. Some are lighter than others. Some are a lot more severe. There are some points where when the stress levels pile up, it gets a little bit chaotic. And then we're like in flight or flight, we're very defensive where, you know, we explode pretty quickly. I've had my personal bouts of dealing with that, especially working my prior job where it was like extremely stressful. This The job I work now and the brand, it's a stressful thing, but it's something that I enjoy a lot. It's very purposeful to me. So it it's not as like the stress is not extreme where it's like, what's the point of me doing all this in the rental car agency and all that stuff where it's just like all this stuff. And it's something that didn't excite me. Whereas this kind of gives me this limitless energy because I love talking about this kind of stuff. So with that being said, with stress, stress produces some sort of stress response, how we respond to the stress. And, you know, if it's mild, it's like, okay, you know, we're going to push forward with it. But if it's something severe, we tend to get, you know, fight or flight, or we tend to try to avoid it and things like that. And mild stressors over time can pile up, you know, stressors in our life can be a, ver a variety of things. They could be physical, they could be mental stressors, they can be emotional stressors, they can be existential stressors. And I wanted to go into that where physical, I talk about this a lot, where physical and mental stress, these pile up all together. So if you're encountering some sort of physical stress, I know my guys that are watching this that are very athletic or somebody that just lives a lot more active lifestyle is going to encounter physical and mental stressors. And when you're very athletic, the physical stressors pile up and it also impacts our mood and well-being. So think about physical and mental stressors being interconnected. Now, on the opposite side of things, people that are starting this fitness for mental health journey, one of the things we may encounter with mental health, somebody that's encountering you know large bouts of depression, that's a stressor in itself. Anxiety is a stressor in itself. And if left unchecked or if left without the ability to recover, it piles up and gets worse. And I talk about this a lot with depression where it's like, it keeps pulling you downwards and it just makes things worse. We start feeling helpless. We start getting this like nihilistic perspective and th these kind of things add more stressors. So it's like a compounding effect. And what we try to do is fight against that. We try to battle against that. And this is why I'm always like battle depression with exercise, even though exercise is a stressor in itself. I want to go into this a little bit more in depth where small stressors can help produce adaptations in return. And I've mentioned before that exercise has research that supports that small bouts of stress through exercise actually helps build stress resilience for both mind and body. 
And that's something important to understand in that when you're squatting 300 pounds on your back, that stress starts to transition. Getting it stronger starts to apply to your mental, your mindset, essentially, where stressful situations you may encounter because of exercise, you're better able to handle it because you built that resilience. And in building physical resilience, you build mental resilience as well. But I'll get into that a little bit more later on down the line. But as I mentioned, I want to kind of break down the physical and mental stressors more in depth so you can kind of understand it. And then you can go about, you know, taking a look and seeing what deficiencies you may have in your day to day that you can improve upon to reduce that stress. So with physical stress, you have injuries, you know, inflammation buildup and things like that. That's a stressor on its own. Another stressor is like poor nutrition. If your nutrition's super processed, if your diet consists of super processed foods, remember when I say 80, 20, you kind of want to have 80% of whole foods, 20% minimally processed foods, somewhere around there. Reason being is when you have the nutrition and stuff that helps reduce stress because vitamins and minerals and fiber and your complex carbohydrates, your proteins, all this stuff comes together to help reduce stress because it improves recovery. So that's something we should take in consideration as well. As I mentioned, physical activity can be a stressor over time. If you're training super hard, the best athletes that I've seen also implement a recovery period where they might spend an entire week where it's essentially called a deload week. I always mention my brother on probably every freaking episode, but my brother, Nick, he competed in a powerlifting competition. When he finished that competition, he took an entire week off from the gym. And he even said that was like the most like painful week of his life because he was bored, but it helped him recover and helped him get back on track. And it's because when you have those periods where you're preparing for an event, your stress levels go up because you're a lot more active. You're doing all this stuff. And that what happens as a result of that is a lot of things where if you're high levels of stress, you're going to be more prone to things like injury and things like that. High levels of stress, you may have a, ba a bad outlook at things. You might lash out on people and things like that. So even with exercise, too much intensity with exercise needs to be met with proper recovery in some way. Even if it's like, you know, you go hard for three weeks, you have a deload week and it's like a lighter week, it helps with recovery. And I'll tell you from personal experience, since I started implementing those kind of weeks where it's like, I'm going to do a lighter intensity, my lifts shot up. I was having trouble getting past 400 on deadlift. And then next thing you know, I started implementing recovery. 500 deadlift. I made a lot more progress because I started taking recovery seriously. And this was the extreme side of things with physical activity being too intense. This is something I'm encountering right now since I'm doing Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu and weightlifting. I have to sacrifice a little bit. So what I've been doing is implementing forced recovery periods because I like to train five or six days a week. And that's problematic for me, especially during the holiday season. I feel like I'm not recovering as properly. So I decided to take one of my weightlifting days away and just do three days of full body and then implement two or three days, maybe even four days of Muay Thai Jiu-Jitsu, but kind of lump it together. But usually my workouts in the gym, lifting weights are not as intense as they used to be because I'm basically punching stuff and, you know, surviving people trying to put me in headlocks and things like that. But anyway, that's besides the point. I got one more. Poor sleep. Sleep deprivation does have an impact on our physical. It impacts our recovery, but also leads into the mental because sleep deprivation, as I mentioned before, when I was dealing my worst bouts of depression and having these dark, dark thoughts of unaliving myself, essentially, a lot of it was a result of the sleep deprivation because I had it was depression-induced sleep insomnia. When I was dealing with these bouts of depression, I would have trouble falling asleep. And then I would wake up at 
I would fall asleep at midnight and I wake up at 3 a.m. because of my cortisol levels, which just shot up and it just woke me up and it would be, I would have trouble going back to sleep. And that also impacts your physical and mental health. With that being said, let's go into the little bit of the mental and then I'll kind of define all this and kind of bring this all together and how we can connect it. So with mental stressors, as I mentioned before, you have your depression, you have anxiety, you have some emotional stressors. Let's say you're dealing with the loss of a loved one and things like that. All this stuff can play a large impact on our mood and well-being, and it could play a large impact on stress. And this is something we don't really consider. In this world today, based on scientific research and studies that they've been doing, we're a lot less active and we're a lot more stressed. So all this stuff, it's like a lot of mental stressors, right? The physical stressors, not so much. We're not as physically active, but the mental stressors are what are impacting us significantly. And this is why I, I promote a more active lifestyle because it helps you build that stress resilience. And then you focus on improving your, uh, reducing your stress by implementing recovery practices. But other things in life, like the environmental stressors, let's say you have trauma in your childhood, perfect example, mood lifter Grant, love you, dude. Grant dealt with trauma in his life as a young kid. He was dealing with some tough times. And when he started telling me the story, when we first started, I was like, damn, that can have a large impact on your mood and well-being as well. And also the seek of emotional eating. You know, when he came to me, he was nearing 600 pounds and he's like, I got to do something or else, you know, I'm going to be gone in a, in a matter of years. And I don't want to do that. I don't want that to happen to me. So environment can also play a large impact on that. You also have your relationships and stuff, bad experiences with relationships, especially when you love somebody and let's say it just doesn't work out, that can have a large impact on stress. So you basically, all this stuff can, just a billion things can attack us. A billion things can be stressors and it sucks because it's tough to manage, but I'm going to go into this process and provide you some insights on how to manage your stressors, essentially. Scientifically, they call this the, the allostatic load, where it's like the total load of all the stressors that are in your life. And this allostatic load is what we can handle. And if it goes above that, you know, fight or flight, freaking out, breakdowns, all that stuff can happen. And this is this allostatic load is essentially, it's genetic. It's a combination of just a variety of things. Basically with recovery and stuff, you have this balance. And then if you break that balance, the negative impacts happen. Your goal is to essentially get under that. And like I said, it's very genetic. It's very different for everybody. It changes as we get older. It changes when we start incorporating physical exercise or other small bouts of stress that makes us stronger over time. Some people can handle stress, a lot more stress than others. And sometimes it's just with a perception of thought, they might have a different outlook on things, but they can take on this gigantic workload compared to somebody else. And there's nothing wrong with this. If you're somebody that's dealing with Let's say you just get stressed too quickly and you're like, what is wrong with me? Everyone else is chilling and all that stuff. This process comes with time and being able to manage it. And, you know, with your genetics and stuff, you don't want to be too hard on yourself on this because everyone's different. And in understanding this, you can kind of figure out how to implement a strategy around it where you can reduce stress, improve recovery, and just overall have improved mood and well-being. Depending on your level of stress, and I, when I talk to some of the mood lifters, especially when I talked with Chris and Grant when we first started, I asked them, how ready, willing, and able are you to change? And I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but on a scale of one to 10, how ready, willing, and able you are to change? Usually with a lot of stress in your life, you're going to be less inclined to change your lifestyle because that's going to be another stressor, right? 
So when I talk to them about this, I say one through 10, there's nothing wrong if it's a one, there's nothing wrong if it's three. If it is a one to three, somewhere around there, what we're going to do is micro steps, small steps to change aspects of our life to reduce that stress, improve our mood and well-being. And as I mentioned, depression, anxiety, when you are dealing with this kind of stuff, you tend to be less motivated to change or less motivated to do other things in your life. I know that when I was dealing with my large bouts of depression, I did not want to get out of bed. Sure, you might resonate with that. And what helped me was I was like, I'm going to commit to some activity. Did that. I felt so much better. And then you just start working against that and you start eating better. You start sleeping better. And then it's chain reaction. Recovery improves. Stressors get reduced. Mood and well-being get lifted. So, as I mentioned, exercise is one of those things that can help build the resilience to stress. And usually with exercise, as research has shown, when you start implementing exercise in your consistent routine, you start to be more inclined to choose healthier options over time. And then also your sleep quality is improved. And we'll go over that where essentially stress and recovery are kind of linked in that if we have the ability to recover from the stressors, it essentially will improve us. So tying this in and kind of going in this because I was kind of rambling before, but leading into this, if you introduce small bouts of stress in your life, small bouts that improve your mood and well-being and stress this is where it's like we have good and bad kind of stress where good stress helps us. It challenges us, but it improves us. It makes us better. This can be learning a new instrument. This is going to be reading some personal development stuff. This can be lifting weights. This can be, you know, running. This can be just going outside for a walk with your dog. These type of things are stressors. They basically help. There's an adaptation from it. When I say 10 to 15 minutes of physical activity, that's all you need to commit to right now, especially starting your journey. You don't need to be hard on yourself if you're not in the gym 45 to 60 minutes. If you're starting those small bouts, you start getting those adaptations in return, and then you build that consistency over time. Then you're like, these 15 minutes of workouts are now 30 minutes because I can do a little bit more. I built my work capacity. I've been able to recover properly. And on top of that, I feel good from physical activity. I'm going to chase that. And then you start the positive adaptations in return start to translate and ooze to other aspects of your life. And as I mentioned before, we have that well-being triad of exercise, nutrition, and sleep. These are the behavioral things that drive mood and well-being. And this is like the, the back burner stuff. I mean, obviously you have the existential, you have your relationships, you have all that stuff. But if you can focus on improving exercise and then go into the nutrition, and then maybe sleep comes along with it, you will lift your mood over time. It's like this constant process of improving and it changes with time. I know that right now I'm dealing with a period of Poor nutrition, so my stress levels are a lot higher, and that's impacting my exercise performance and recovery, so I have to implement healthier practices, and this happens to all of us. I've been doing this for 12 years now, where it's like I end up eating junk food, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to recover as properly because I'm not, I'm not incorporating the healthy food options, and then sometimes with life and sometimes with all this stuff, we lose track of that, and that's it's, it's normal, but being aware of this process and understanding that if you have a, pro, a prolonged balance of poor nutrition and stuff, your stress levels go up and we want to kind of minimize that so we can kind of be in the happy medium spot for our allostatic load, essentially. And with good kind of stress, it's essentially one of those things where it's like a short bout. It's done and over with exercise, for example, do it 15 to 20 minutes, moods lifted, you feel good from that good stress. It's some sort of physical activity or some sort of physical and mental stressor that improves your mood and well-being. And then you have your bad stress where it's like prolonged stress, right? 
and this is where it gets kind of painful, where it's like an overwhelming job and things like that, that can have a large impact. And then also, if you have no stress, you're on the opposite side of things, but you're dealing with boredom. And that's depressing as well, because you're like, dude, I want to do something. I want to add some sort of some sort of conflict in my life that improves my mood and my well-being that helps me become better. And we don't want that to an extent. I mean, it's okay to embrace some sort of boredom, but we don't have it. We don't want to have it for a prolonged period of time because then we start, I don't know, for example, I know myself when I touch a video game, I'm gaming for eight hours and then I feel like crap because I've just been bored. And instead I could have just done some sort of other activity that kind of enriched or expanded my mind and kind of halved the gaming session, excuse me, half the gaming session and then half like an expansion of reading something and personal development, good stressor, right? And this is all the good and bad stressors. It's dependent on how you look at it, essentially. I mean, obviously, with the severity of stress, if we have, we're experiencing the stress and we're able to recover from it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But if we're experiencing the stress and we're not able to properly recover from it, some things that what might have been good stressors before could eventually become bad stressors because you're taking all this on, gets overwhelming. You're like, I need to sacrifice something in return. And I, I resonate with this a lot because I've had bouts where it's like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. But then I have my work obligations. I have familial obligations. I have life obligations. And I can't do these other things that I want to do. And it stresses me out. Perfect example is I try to create a lot of short video clips for you guys on, on social media. And things are getting busy for me. There's a lot more obligations in my life now. And it's going to be like this for a little bit especially doing these live calls, which I don't mind. I actually love doing these live calls, but I had to sacrifice me trying to brainstorm and create content and kind of organize it where I have this like schedule of, you know, what, what content I'm going to post, you know, throughout the week. And it's going to be on the five, five days a week, Monday through Friday. And I'm not going to post Saturday, Sunday before I was doing like two pieces of content and I was overwhelming myself with this thinking process. And it, it started to become stressful. And I, I don't want to start to hate what I'm doing, especially with this. I love doing this. So I wanted to take a step back. So it was a good kind of stress before because I, I enjoyed it. But then it got to a point where it got super stressful and then I didn't enjoy it. So I decided to take a chunk out of it off. Instead of doing two a day, it's one a day for five days, maybe even less. It just depends on, I, I try to keep it a little bit flexible. But anyway, in this process of stress and recovery, understand that your nervous system and your immune system are connected to stressors. So I'm sure you've, you've experienced this. If you're more prone to getting sick and you're super stressed out, there's a reason for that. When you're dealing with a lot of stressors, you're going to be sick more often. And my athletes know when they start overtraining and they start training too hard, start getting more inclined to be sick. And you're like, I don't know why I keep getting sick. Well, chances are your exercise intensity is so high that you're more prone to getting sick because your immune system is not being able to recover as properly. Remember the stressors. Even with stressors, you get an adaptation in return with exercise, stress resilience, and then you also, it improves your immune health, especially if you're doing small bouts of it. What's really interesting is looking into the research for some of this stuff, it essentially states that if you do stress-reducing exercises like meditation, mindfulness, personal development, reading, anything that kind of helps you just soothe yourself, if you're dealing with some sort of chronic stressor in your life, let's say that it's impacting when you're stressed, you start getting inflammation in your upper back. This is something I deal with a lot. I'm very cognizant of that. When I'm super stressed, 
I get a lot of inflammation in my upper back. And it's something that I've kind of noticed also tells me that there are certain muscles in my body that are kind of deficient compared to the other muscles. So I have to train those more often because there's some sort of imbalance going on. When I'm dealing with the stress, I start feeling it all in my back. And it's just something that just happens. What I found was if I do some sort of deliberate movements, just like movements, maybe some sort of breathing exercises, just moving my body in general, I feel like I get a lot more pain relief. If you're able to de-stress and allow yourself, your body to recover to some extent, you'll see results over time and you'll be able to de-stress essentially. Now, like I said, it's, it's a very challenging thing. This is a process that you need to figure out for yourself based on your lifestyle, based on your stuff. Just There's just a billion variables coming at you. And it could be overwhelming, but in understanding this stuff, you can kind of pinpoint certain things that are big stressors in your life and you can kind of modify things to de-stress a little bit or incorporate some de-stressing practices, which I'll go into a little bit later. Reading some of this stuff, let's say, for example, somebody is injured. Let's say two people are injured, right? One is like, I'm going to focus on recovery. I'm going to, you know, take it as it is. It happened. It is what it is. I'm going to go with it versus somebody that's like, oh no, I've been injured. It's going to impact my entire life. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. And, and this, who do you think is going to be more inclined to recover better? It's going to be the person right here because they're like, oh shit, recovery time. Just do it. And their mindset is very lax about it. It's very difficult to get to that because with the injury, you know, inflammation's up, it sucks, but your goal is to essentially kind of bring down that so you can enhance recovery. And the person that's able to do that more effectively is going to improve in the long term or recover in the, a lot more quickly. And I noticed this from one of the guys at my gym, got injured. It was a pretty rough injury. He went to the hospital, got his stuff done. Four weeks later, he's back in. Recovery was on point because he's like, it happened. It is what it is. I got to take care of this, recover, and then just essentially went on with it. This is all per perspective with like things like bad nutrition as well, where it's like, if you ruminate over having one bad nutrition day, and this is something I don't do. And this is something I, I used to do that stressed me out a lot. But now it's like, if I deal with bad nutrition, like if I have a bad day where I just, you know, ate like crap, I'm not hard on myself in that regard. I'm like, okay, there's always tomorrow. And this is what I kind of want to help you guys with as well. And I've mentioned this to some of the mood lifters too, where it's like, if you mess up on one day, that's okay. As long as you get back on track. Remember, it's like a three strike rule. Don't miss three days in a row of physical activity. And also with nutrition and stuff like that, unless it's planned, I don't recommend the nutrition side of it being planned, but unless it's like one small meal that you indulge or in things like that, or the 80, 20. But if you follow this process and you're able to get back on track and you understand that just one day, one day out of the 365 that you messed up on, one quarter of the entire day, where you have four quarters in a day, get back on track, all this stuff. If you have that mindset and kind of focus on that mindset over time, you're not going to stress out as much about this, these type of things. And you're going to live a lot more flexible, nice lifestyle with nutrition, exercise and stuff. And essentially you're going to be a lot more happier over time because of this. Now, ultimately, if you're thinking about all this stuff, your mind and this is something that I feel like we don't talk much about, or people think it's like woo woo, but it's one of those things where your mind is a, has a powerful impact on your stress, your recovery, your body, and all that stuff. It's easier said than done when you're dealing with depression and stuff. It's hard to see the outside perspective of something a lot more positive or seeing that you're able to control your mind and body when 
you know, these negative thoughts and these negative voices in your head that's, that are sometimes not your own are bringing you down. But if you could find a way to improve just slightly, some sort of adaptation where you in, introduce a good kind of stress and it helps you better yourself over time, all these negative voices will start to slowly dissipate. You may get them from time to time, but if you focus on one aspect of improving your life, you'll start to ooze into other aspects of your life where you're going to be focusing on, you know what, my exercise is good. I'm going to focus on my nutrition. I'm going to focus on my sleep. I'm going to improve my sleep routine. I'm going to improve my nutrition. You know what? I decided to take an ambitious opportunity at my job. You know, I'm going to take a little bit of risk to get my boss's attention so I can get promoted and all this stuff. And it causes this chain reaction, but you have to start very tiny and build up from that, especially if you're dealing with depression and anxiety. Essentially what I'm saying is like, you're working on a growth mindset and it's like a mini growth mindset. It's like micro steps and habits are built like this. Tiny steps over time or even change in, in your environment to some extent will help with that. I'm always on the big proponent of if you can't change your environment, especially with certain things, do something small that helps you build a good habit over time. And this is where I'm like physical exercise. You can go outside, go for a walk, 10 to 15 minutes. If it lifts your mood, you feel good. And you just keep pursuing that. And that's essentially what I would recommend. It's one of the easiest ways to get started to lift your mood, essentially, because you just need to move. You just need to sweat for it. In all this, what you're trying to do is balance stress with recovery, right? Where you're like, you're experiencing some levels of stress. You want to have a recovery efficient enough to balance that stress out, to be a part so that we don't go overboard on the allostatic load, essentially. This is all I'm going to get into with recovery practices and how you can implement recovery practices to improve your quality of recovery, essentially. If things start to get better and things start to improve, you're better able to handle the stressors that come at your life because, for example, Grant was dealing with some financial stressors when he started this journey and he was very hesitant on certain things. And I was like, don't worry about it. Like, let's work on this. Let's work on one aspect of our life to improve. And the other aspect, he was finishing up college, but he was focusing on this aspect of losing weight, which helped him with the stressors. Over time, he found a job and the financial stressors started to dissipate. And this is how we go about this process. Chris, another mood lifter. If you guys haven't seen this show before, he is a veteran dealing with PTSD. He had a lot of stuff that was going on in his life when we started working together. And in this process of him documenting his journey, exercising frequently and all this stuff. I saw this big turnaround in a matter of year of a year because Chris focused on that growth mindset with a small step, just moving mountains over time. And it helped him de-stress a lot with physical exercise. And then it kind of oozed into other aspects of his life. And if you see the first episode of him documenting his journey on the vlogs, which we kind of essentially stopped a few months into this year, but he was venting his frustration. He was stressing out about a lot of stuff, but now it's like, He's better able to handle this and he sure he deals with, you know, some stressor. We all do, you know, we talk about our frustrations and things like that, but it, what, it, it's not as severe as it used to be because when he started incorporating physical exercise and started focusing on this small mini growth mindset, his recovery process was better. He was seeing more progress over time with, in regards to balancing out the stress, he was recovering more properly. He's feeling good. His moods have been lifted and all that stuff. But anyway. In improving recovery, the most important thing you should understand with recovery is you can do it in a few ways where it's like you're encountering stressors, reduce stressors, right? Let's say you're working out six days a week, super intense. You're stressed out of your mind. Take out one day, see how that happens. And some of it's easier said than done. 
It's like, oh, you're encountering this job that you hate, super stressful, but find a process of looking for another job. Now that's easier said than done, right? Because you have to go through this entire process with the interviews and all that stuff. And this is something I personally dealt with when I was dealing with my other job where I was like so stressed. I was like, I, I need to quit. And I had to quit. You need to like look at other aspects of your life where you can find a way to reduce that stress to some extent to improve that recovery over time. Now, with that being said, the other side of things is improving your recovery. Perfect way to improve your recovery and best way to improve your recovery is sleep. Now, if you look at a lot of research in the United States, there's a lot of sleep deprivation going on. People are not getting quality sleep or quantity sleep. And I'm going to go into this a little bit more because some people know on average, most people can function pretty well on six to eight hours of sleep. And they're just hanging out, they're chilling, no issues there. But some other people may need more. Perfect example, again, my brother Nick, this dude sleeps for like 10 hours. I don't know how he does it. That, that doesn't work for me because when I'm eight hours, I'm up, ready to go. Some people might just need six. Essentially, quantity of sleep is a very genetic thing that we just need to find what works best. Now, I wanted to say another thing that we don't think about is, is quality of sleep. And this is super important as well. Quality of sleep. And I'll tell you from personal experience, when I worked that crazy job, I was getting like five or six hours of sleep a night, sometimes even four. So sleep deprivation, big stressor, I'm losing it, right? But I found a way to improve my quality of sleep so that it wasn't as severe as a stressor. And how I did this was I started reading about sleep and sleep quality and all these tips that people utilize for sleep quality. And Going into this, these are some things that have helped me personally, and they may help you. One is primarily having a sleep routine, like one to two hours before bed, plan the sleep routine, unwinding activities, whether it's like a hot shower, a hot bath, uh, listening to sleep sounds like the river, like rivers and things like that, eliminating technology before bed. This is easier said than done for a lot of us. I work at night as well, but what I do is if I'm going to work at night, with technology all around, you guys know the screen here, it's blue light, right? And it kind of mimics sunlight. And if you're not, if you're able to remove the technology before bed, you're able to properly produce melatonin, which helps you fall asleep. Now, if you can't do that, what I would recommend is some type of blue light blockers or red light glasses. And th this seems like a placebo, but it works. When I don't do it, and when I do do it, it's night and day. I used to, at night, scroll through my social media, looking at memes and stuff like that. But now I do it with the red light glasses. And I put them on. It's easy for me to kind of unwind before bed. And it blocks out the blue light. And I think there's some research that supports that when you expose yourself to like 30 minutes of blue light um, on your phone at night, it's equivalent to two hours of sunlight or something like that. So that will essentially impair your quality of sleep. And this small adjustment can improve your quality of sleep over time. It's something I highly recommend for, for a lot of people. If you're somebody that plays video games in the evening to kind of unwind and relax, red light. Red light glasses, blue light. This is going to help your quality of sleep. You want to de-stress and all that stuff. I get made fun of with these red light glasses. I'll probably make a video on them so I can show you guys. My recovery is on point. Besides that, you want to fall asleep. And this is... You could, you could fall asleep within the hours of like 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. And that's a good opportunity for you to fall asleep. If you go past that, I feel like 
I think there's some research that's like around like if you're up like one to three a.m. it's like a poor sleep quality because of circadian rhythm and all this stuff. And it all depends on genetics and stuff like that. And a lot of people have night shifts and things like that. It, it gets complicated. So if you can fall asleep within those hours, that's like the best way to fall asleep and then wake up the following morning because when you wake up the following morning, you want to start the day off strong. You know, the sun's rising, you get the blue light in your eyes that wakes you up, primes you and gets you ready to go. That's when the, the blue light is essentially, or the sunlight is essentially a good thing because you need it in the morning. And then in the evening, you want it to dim everything essentially. Now with sleep, we want to also take into consideration our diet, taking consideration our caffeine consumption and all that stuff. So with caffeine, I usually recommend four to 10 hours. Now this is different for everybody, but caffeine essentially can impair our sleep because it promotes wakefulness. So you want to limit that before bed. On top of that, there's research that supports when you do frequent exercise, sleep quality goes up. When you eat proper nutrition, sleep quality goes up. And this is all a result of eating properly. You know, you're getting the right amount of protein. You're getting your fruits and vegetables in. You're getting your complex carbohydrates in. You're getting your healthy fats in, which is also a really important thing when it comes to stress and anxiety. That's something you should consider as well. But if you have a proper diet, you focus on a proper diet or 80-20, right? That will essentially help with sleep quality. And to do this, like I said, and I talk about this a lot, Diverse palette of fruits and vegetables, lean proteins with most meals. I say like every meal, go for it. That's just me personally. You want some slow digesting carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates like brown rice and things like that. Omega-3s, that's really important for stress and anxiety and depression. There's research that supports that they help with depression and anxiety. Fish oil, fish, nuts and seeds, they contain omega-3s. Salmon, I think it's like a three to four ounce of like fresh salmon has like 800 milligrams of omega-3 fatty acid called EPA. And EPA helps with depression and anxiety. As I mentioned before, there's research that supports like a gram to five grams plus of consuming, you know, EPA actually helps with depression and anxiety. It helps de-stress. Essentially, these omega-3s are anti-inflammatory. So we want to have these in our diet because they reduce that the, the inflammatory stressors in our lives. And you want that, right? We want that. So if you have a proper diet that focuses on these, you know, has minimally processed foods, and I'm not saying to eliminate that completely, it's okay to moderation. You also want to have a social lifestyle, enjoy, indulge from time to time. But then also you want to basically have a mostly healthy, you know, whole foods, minimally processed, right? Minimally processed, you know, you have some foods that do get processed, but they still are very nutritious and that's okay. But remember 80, 20, you want to focus on the whole foods. And then also keep yourself hydrated. That's very important. I should drink my water right now because I'm talking a lot and I'm rambling away. But if you focus on these, these little practices when you're dealing with a lot of stress in your life will help with recovery. And going into all this, I wanted to also add, probably the last thing we'll talk about is the mental activities. And I mentioned like meditation and things like that. These help with recovery when you're dealing with stress, right? And when you expose yourself to this environment of, I'm going to meditate for a little bit, I'm going to play an instrument, I'm going to go for a 10 to 15 minute walk, I'm going to go lift weights for 10 to 15 minutes, I'm going to listen to, you know, binaural beats that help me unwind and relax, or I'm going to listen to some sort of comedy skit on TV. These things essentially help with recovery by helping you de-stress a little bit. It's not going to be as effective as sleep would be but it's something that we should incorporate in our day-to-day -day 
like some sort of mental activity that helps lift our moods. Like I said, we start physical exercise. You could branch out and start reading a little bit more personal development stuff. I really like my philosophy books. I'm a weirdo like that. But th these type of things are like mental activities that really help me unwind when I'm dealing with stress. And it kind of gives me a perspective of thought that I don't really think about, especially with philosophy. I'm dealing with this negative attitude and outlook these past couple of days, just all this pent up energy. I start reading some philosophical books and it kind of gives me a different perspective of thought of how I should approach these type of things. It's going to help me de-stress. It's going to improve my recovery over time. And this, this mental activities, I gave you a few examples, but it could be a billion other things. It could be, you know, giving yourself quality time. You know, you take your kids to school and then you go to work and typically you have a lot going on, but some sort of like morning activity with the kids that helps you, that helps brighten your mood, brightens your kids' mood. You love seeing that. That could be some sort of mental activity you do where even if it's like 10 to 15 minutes, you're like, I'm going to add this to my day-to-day. -day. It actually helps me de-stress. I actually feel good. I feel happy doing it. It lifts my mood. Like these type of little things, you just got to find what works best for you and your routine and then just add to it over time. And then if you incorporate the sleep practices, if you exercise frequently, if you eat the proper nutrition, all this stuff will help over time. And ultimately, guys, what you'll realize too in doing all this stuff, you start focusing on these little holistic practices is that you will probably be better able to handle the stressors in your day-to-day -day because you're focusing on you and improving your mood and well-being. And then everything else essentially doesn't matter as much. For example, when you go into the gym, you lift heavy weights, you, see, you get in this mindset over time and you'll probably feel this, or you probably have thought of this yourself if you're doing, if you're starting exercise right now and you're lifting weights, but I get in the mindset of the hardest part of my day has just been done. There's a lot of work stressors and all this chaoticness in my life that I encounter, but I just deadlifted 500 pounds. That's some heavy shit. And I'm feeling it, right? I'm feeling it. I feel good because I accomplished it. I dominated. Even if it wasn't like the perfect workout, I still did the hardest part of my day. And everything else, you know, you build that stress resilience. Things will come at you. These little things, they won't bother you as much because you're like, just got done with my hardest part of my day. I accomplished something that helped me lift my mood. It helped better me. So now that I'm better, I can focus on work stuff to give unto others and things like that. And if you focus on these practices over time, you may get that, you know, stress resilience, like I mentioned in scientific studies with exercise, it helps you de-stress, improve your recovery, and et cetera. And it's essentially a balance. You just got to find what works best for you. And this is different for everybody. Ultimately, I hope this helped. I will go into this a little bit more. I'm going to do a little bit more research in that regard because I want to enhance my recovery. I did mention that what I've been looking at is with, with my Apple Watch. I don't have it on me right now. I just got out of the shower after my workout, but Apple Watches have that heart rate variability. And in looking at the data on that, you can tell if you're proper, properly recovering or not. If the heart rate's at a certain point, it's like, all right, you might need to incorporate recovery practices. You're training too much or something in your life is super stressful. Chill out. And I looked at my data from back like 2017, 2018, when I was working at that, that rental car agency. The heart rate variability was crazy. So that told me I was not recovering as properly. And I mentioned this before, when I was dealing with that stress, one thing that did help me was physical activity. But what I did was less of it. Even if my workouts were half-assed, what my intention was when I was doing those workouts was to lift my mood, to feel better, to de-stress after a long day of work or prepare to de-stress before a long day of work, just depending on what I was feeling. And incorporating this,
helped me in the long term and kept my sanity at this job. That's all I had to say, guys. I hope this helped. If you guys have any questions or comments, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. If you have, if you have any suggestions or anything like that, just let me know. Let me know. I would love to help you guys on your journey. If you have any suggestions or tips that might help me, especially with speaking about this type of stuff, or even to improve my stress and recover my de-stress and then improve my recovery, my quality of sleep, let me know. I want to give some shout outs to some people. This is referring to some of the guys that are showing some love in the mood lifters. And some of you, you need to join the Facebook group. I don't know what you're doing. Don't just DM me, join the Facebook group, be a, be a part of the community. If you haven't been a part of it, guys, facebook.com slash groups slash mood lifters, or you can join via liveryforge.com slash lift your mood. And if you join from the lift your mood resource, the liveryforge.com one, you get access to the email, you get access to our free freebies that we have, lift your mood ebook, just some holistic hacks that I've mentioned a little bit here that will help you with battling depression, anxiety, and things like that. Shout outs to a few people in regards to some of the products that we have with our pre-workout and sleep supplement. Um, these are frequent buyers and I, I love you guys for this. And I, that tells me that the product is actually good. So shout out to Susanna from Louisiana. I love that, that rhyme. Josh from Carolina. Jay from Jersey, shout out to you. Rocco, I wanna show some love to you. Rocco is one of my good friends. Love you, Rocco. Thank you for sending me that video review of Drift. I had to restock on my drift because I haven't had it for like a week or two. And that helps me with my recovery too, with the melatonin and all that stuff and the sleep quality. So I have to restock on that. So thank you for that. And then Jackie, you know me, Jackie, shout out to you. I see you at the gym all the time. You're the best. Thank you. But yeah, if you guys have any questions, comments, let me know. I would love to hear from you guys. Thank you. Love you all. We'll talk soon. Take care. I want to thank you guys for watching this week's Mood Lifters call. Like, subscribe, share. Get this out there to anyone that needs help on their exercise for mental health journey or anyone who is looking for a way to battle their depression, demons, and battle anxiety. That's what we're here for. If they need help on their journey, they can head on over to liveryforge.com slash liftyourmood or look in the show notes below. You'll get access to our Lift Your Morning Mood course. You'll get access to our Lift Your Mood ebook and you'll get access to a bunch of other resources that will help you on your journey. Highly recommend sending it to some of your loved ones who need help on their journeys. Lastly, as you guys know, we have supplements that help you on your journey. We have a pre-workout and a sleep supplement. The sleep supplement just recently gained some more popularity than the pre-workout. So if you're interested in trying any of those, those have a specific focus on helping you on your exercise or mental health journey. You can head on over to amazon.com slash reforged, or you can look in the show notes below for each individual link. And with that, guys, I want to thank you for watching. Much love to you all. Happy holidays, and we will talk soon. Peace.